What a great opportunity we have now to just study the Word of God together, to look at some truth and principles for our own Christian living, exalting the Lord Jesus Christ as we think of Him. And so I'll ask you to take your Bibles with me and turn in them to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. We find ourselves once again in 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to focus our attention this morning on verses 12 through 15. First Peter chapter or 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 12 through 15. If you would just bow with me in a word of prayer as we ask God to honor our time. Father, we thank you again for this time. It's wonderful that we can in this moment even realize that we are so dependent upon You for all things. Prayer acknowledges that, and we certainly want to acknowledge that when we open Your Word, that we are dependent upon You for our understanding. Lord, help us to absorb these things for our own lives, that we might be enriched by them, that Your life in us would be reflected, that Your name would be glorified in all that we do and all that we say. It seems even highlighted even more so today than ever in our world as we live as Christians. For the sake of our Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. As I was preparing our time, I was wondering how many times in our short life span we are told to not forget you think about the years of your own life on the face of this earth, how many times in your own history have you been told not to forget? I remember when I was growing up in my mother and father's home, they would often say to me, Terry, don't forget your homework. It's obvious I didn't listen to that very well. They would say things, don't forget to meet up with your brothers. I'm the younger of four boys in our home, and oftentimes I was needing to meet them somewhere after school or some kind of thing. Don't forget to take your shoes off when you come in. My wife still reminds me of that today, and I forget. Some kind of task. In fact, as we live, those are probably very common statements when someone is leaving us or we are leaving some location that we have been at. Someone says to us, remember what I said to you, or remember what I asked you, or what you did with us. Don't forget it. It's even that kind of phraseology that is spoken often from deathbeds. So many people, as they spend time with their relatives for the last moments, the last words of a person are meant for those listening to remember. Don't forget this. This is the last thing that I want to say or I need to say or the most important thing that I could ever say in my entire lifetime. I'm saying it right now before I take my final breath. Don't forget this. You need to remember. Remembrance is a biblical principle. The principle of remembrance is all throughout the Scriptures. 
For example, just by way of a quick survey of the Scriptures after the worldwide flood in Genesis, God says of Himself, Genesis chapter 9, verse 15, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow, when the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Praise God that He remembered that. And then He does every time it rains. Every time He causes rain to fall from the clouds, God sees the bow that He puts in the clouds and He remembers the everlasting covenant. Genesis chapter 40, verse 14, when Joshua or when Joseph was in prison, when he was wrongly sent there by his brothers, sold as a slave into Egypt, and was there in prison because he was wrongly accused of being someone who was after Potiphar's wife. Joseph says to the cupbearer, Remember me when it's well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention to Pharaoh so that. And so get me out of this house. And it says in verse 23, Yet the cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Exodus chapter 13, Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8, in the Ten Commandments, God said, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Moses asked God in Exodus 32 and verse 13, Remember Abraham, Isaac, and, J or Isaac and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. Moses says to God, God, please remember what you said. Don't forget. Don't forget that you said these things. Leviticus 26, 42, God said, I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and I will remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. Leviticus 26, verse 45, God said to Israel, I will for their sake remember the covenant with their forefathers. Deuteronomy, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, Moses says, God saying through Moses to Israel, that the Lord God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 18, you shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Don't fear the nations where you're going. Don't fear what they're saying to you, what they say they might do to you. Don't fear them because you need to remember I'm God and what I did to Egypt on your behalf. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 9, remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. Don't only forget my sovereign hand and my powerful hand, but don't forget your own sinfulness. Don't forget how you provoked me to wrath from the day you came out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place. You have been rebellious against the Lord. 
Deuteronomy 16, 12, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. Be careful to do what I'm asking you to do. Remember, remember where you were. Remember who delivered you. Remember who I am. And when you come to Joshua, the book of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 13, Joshua says to the people, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place to rest and will give you this land. Now here's the second in succession that Moses has led Israel out of, out of Egypt, and Joshua now is the second in succession to Moses, and he's saying, remember what Moses said? Remember what he told you? Remember what the Lord God did? Joshua chapter 8, verse 34, and the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God. They didn't remember who delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side. And all the way through 1st and 2nd Samuel and all the way through 1st and 2nd Kings, the principle of remembrance is continually being highlighted over and over and over and over again by God. 1st Chronicles chapter 16, verse 12, remember the wondrous works that He has done, His miracles, His judgments. Remember His covenant forever, the word that He commanded for a thousand generations. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, And I looked and, and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember what's happening with them as they go back to rebuild the tent wall of the temple. Nehemiah is leading it, and he says, Don't be afraid of these people. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Remember who brought you out. Such an important truth, lest we forget. The psalmist in Psalm 25, verse 6, prays to God. And he prays for God to remember your mercy, he says, O Lord. Remember your mercy and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. In other words, instill this reality and principle of remembrance, God, that you have instilled, that you have shown simply because you're a good God, you're a gracious God, and your steadfast love shows you to be that. So remember that for your goodness. Don't remember it so that you, my life will be easier, so that things will be well with me in the sense that I want them to be well, so that you're some kind of esoteric universal genie that gives me whatever I want when I ask. No, don't remember it for that. Remember it for your goodness so that your name isn't blasphemed, so that your character isn't brought into reproach. Who here as a Christian doesn't rejoice in Isaiah 43.25? I... I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. On and on it goes in the Old Testament. You turn to the New Testament, it is the same. You find the same truth. Jesus, Jesus says in John chapter 15, 20, 
Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. He said, don't forget, don't forget how I was treated. Don't forget how I'm treated right now as I walk on the face of this earth as God himself. Don't forget that because that's exactly how you're going to be treated. It will be no different. John 16, verse 4, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that you, that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Go into Acts and the beginning of the church and all these things, Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and all these things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is Paul talking to the church. Remember. Then Paul again in Romans chapter 11 and verse 18. Don't be arrogant toward the branches. Remember when we were walking through that saying, because we Gentiles have been grafted in, we have this tendency to be arrogant and say, oh, look what God, God liked us more than he liked you. He says, don't be arrogant against the branches. Speaking of the Jews, he said, if you are, remember, it's not you who support the root. It's the root that supports you. They remember your place. Remember who you are. Remember what I've done for you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. That is, in a, in a sense, called those who are, aren't in the kingdom or part of God's kingdom because we, the Jews, are part of God's kingdom. You are called that, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Remember, that's who you were. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Don't forget the essence of the truth of the gospel and what it's teaching, that Jesus Christ is Savior. Don't forget Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. He is not a dead Savior. He is living. Of course, here in 2 Peter, we'll hear Peter say in chapter 3 and verse 2, you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Of course, by the time you get to the end of the scriptures in Revelation, we hear the sobering words. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5 to the church in Ephesus. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, you will, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Chapter 3 of Revelation, he said to the church in Sardis, Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. 
reading through those passages this week and thinking to myself, the older I get, the more I'm aware that my memory is not as readily clear as it once was. What I need to do often is go back to the basics. I need to go back to those things that I've been taught, back to the basic things that I have learned because I need to be reminded of them again and again and again so that I will not forget. Well, beloved, that is exactly what the Apostle Peter is doing here in First Peter, or 2 Peter chapter 1. Apostle Peter is faithfully reminding us. He is doing what all faithful Christian disciples do. He is stirring up our memories because remembrance, this principle of remembering is absolutely crucial if we are going to finish well in our faith. Notice three times and with three different kinds of emphasis in verses 12 through 15, Peter says, remember. Notice in verse 12, therefore, I am always, I shall always be ready to remind you of these things. In verse 13, and I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. And then in verse 15, and I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you may be able to call these things to mind. You will be able to what? You'll be able to remember them. In other words, I am writing to remind you by way of reminders in order that you will remember. I'm writing to remind you by way of Numerous reminders so that you will be able to remember them. And isn't that just what we've seen throughout the Old and New Testament? God writing over and over and over and over again to remind us by way of reminders so that we will remember. They are given to us so that we will not forget. That book in your lap, that electronic device with the pages of Scripture highlighted on it in your lap, it is not simply there to be a book that's read and put away. It is there so that you excuse me, will remember. It's there so that you and I will not forget. So that we will recall the truth in times of need. Listen, beloved, listen. If we are going to be steadfast in the faith, if we as Christian brothers and sisters in Christ are going to stand strong in that time of need, which, by the way, as you look around, seems to be rapidly approaching. If we are going to stand strong in that time of need and have a faith that finishes well, then this very principle is absolutely essential in our Christian lives. This principle of remembrance we must be exercising. And if we are thinking people, and I know that you are, then we can quickly discern that our trouble, 
our difficulties, our tough times in the Christian life are inextricably linked to the lack of us remembering the wonderful truths that are associated with our salvation. Sometimes we may say things like this, I know that I am not perfect. I know that I'm not perfect. In fact, I sin often. So how then can God still love me? And what is reflected by those very words is a reality that I have in that moment forgotten that I can never be perfect enough for God to love me enough. And even if I could be perfect in some kind of way in my own humanity, that would still not ever be good enough for God because God only accepts His perfection Hence the reason I need Christ. I could never be good enough on the best day I could ever live on the face of this earth, no matter how good I am. So in Christ, we are completely forgiven. And even the sin, because I'm completely forgiven, even the sin that I might commit now has been forgiven. So, Instead of succumbing to that sin, then I live in obedience to Christ. Why? Because I've been equipped to do so by the Spirit of God who dwells in me. Remember what Romans chapter 6 said, how Paul put it in Romans chapter 6? Here it is. Do not let sin reign. You've been forgiven. You know Jesus Christ by faith. God has given you everything you need in the words of the Apostle Peter for life and godliness. Therefore, do not let sin reign. Kill it through faithfully walking in obedience. Don't let it live. And so you ask the question, why? Why then do we live wrongly? Because we have momentarily forgotten the cleansing we have already been given from our sins. We are like the person in 2 Peter 1, verse 9. He who lacks these qualities is blindly short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. You see, to not live as we have been exhorted to live in verses 5-7, through seven, to not put all of our effort into this walk of faith, diligently applying in that trust in Jesus Christ, that entrustment to Him, this moral, excellent living by thinking through it in the knowledge of Christ and self-control and persevering through all of that in God-like living and reflecting that in brotherly love and kindness. Instead of doing that, we've forgotten We've forgotten what we've been given in verses 1-4. to We've forgotten all that God has granted to us through knowing Jesus Christ. And so Peter gets to verse 12, and he says, Therefore I shall always be ready to remind you of these things. 
I'm always want to be ready to remind you of these things. What things? All the things that he said in the first 11 verses. All of the things pertaining to your life in God. All of the things pertaining to what salvation means for you. What you have been given in Jesus Christ and how you are to exercise and practice that faith in your daily living no matter what comes your way. These qualities that are to be increasing in you because they render you both useful and fruitful in the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. They give you that solid, they, 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 they help you understand the reality of the solidness of your assurance in Jesus Christ, as he says in verse 10. You will never stumble, he says. In the first 11 verses, Peter implies where the problem is. Peter implies why he's needing to write to those whom he's writing. We live dejected lives at times because we forget the things that we have believed. We so easily and sadly set them aside. We ignorantly and far too often willfully forget the truth about God and about what He has done for us. So we go about living by the philosophies of men. We go about living our lives according to the traditions of men, the philosophies of the world around us, and the lies that are spewed at every level. So this is so important for us. In fact, in fact, I would argue that this is the entire purpose of why Peter wrote 2 Peter. The principle and doctrine of remembrance. This is about remembrance. That's why he keeps saying it. That's why he keeps saying it. I shall always be ready to remind you of these things. I consider it right as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. And I'll always be diligent that at any time after my departure, you'll be able to call these things to mind. I want to remind you by way of remembering things in order that you would remember. There are several principles that we can draw from what Peter is saying here. Several principles that I just want to highlight for us. The first is this. We've already alluded to it, but I think it's important to reiterate it again. Each of us, each one of us can be characterized by the tendency to forget. That's the first principle we need to understand from the words of the Apostle Peter. Why in the world would he have to remind us of anything if we could remember everything that we ever learned? No, we would never be reminded. And if we were learning, living by what we remembered, we would never be reminded of it again. And yet here we are. Peter is saying, I, I need to remind you. I always want to remind you. And when I'm gone, I want you to be able to remember. Therefore, I am reminding you. Why? Because each of us can be characterized so easily by the tendency to forget. With time, memories fade. Now, I was thinking about this recently. That, that's both a gift and a curse, is not? That your memory fades. It's a gift that we can remember anything at all. And all of us have memories of past times in which... We've enjoyed something, and we remember those, and we can re-enjoy them, if you will. We think about the when our kids were little, or that are the memories that we have of our the history of our life and things that we have done, and all those past memories that were such a joyous time. Some person that we may not be around anymore, but now 
We simply have them in our memories. That's a great gift from God. But it's a curse as well. It's part of the fall because there are a whole host of polluted memories that I wish I could simply erase. A whole host of memories in my mind that I wish were not there. What I'm simply saying to us is that sometimes things that I desire to remember, I often forget. And far too much things that I'd like to forget, I still remember. I'm sure you're like that. Have you ever had a moment in your spiritual life that you wanted to just continue forever? Sometimes referred to as mountaintop spiritual highs. You ever had one of those? You ever had many of those? Maybe you have one every week. A spiritual high point of life. You're, you're spiritually tuned in. You, you seem like everything is clicking on the spiritual zone. And yet over time, that spiritual sharpness just seems to fade. It seems to dull over time. It's like iron sitting outside. It just collects rust. It gets less easy to move. And now it's a distant memory to you. You go, man, I'd love to. I was, that was such a wonderful moment in my life. I'd love to have that all the time. You have memory of it. It's there. There's, there's memory of it, but the sharpness has faded. And yet, on the other hand, it seems that when it's some sinful memory, just the smell of some part of food or the note of some song, your memory surely and with accuracy takes you back to that sinful moment. And you could recite every detail. You struggled to know a Bible verse, but every word of that pagan song so easily comes back, and you don't miss any of it. You struggle to know the truth of God. Listen, beloved, we have to continually be reminded. This is part of the fallenness, this necessity to be reminded because of our tendency to forget. And so Peter says that here to those whom he's writing. I, I, I'm always ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them. And you've been established in the truth, which is present with you. You know Jesus Christ. You, you know the one whom saved you. You know who He is. You know the truth concerning Him. You know who God the Father is. You know the reality of what Christian life is to be like. You know these things. Jesus has told us these things. You know them already. And yet, I'm always ready to remind you of these things because it's so easy. It's so easy to forget. And we can't forget if we're going to stand strong in the faith. We cannot forget. That's the first principle. There's a second. Second principle that we have to realize is this. Being aware of something. Being aware of something is not the same as having it in our memory. Let me say that again. Being aware of something is not the same as having it in our memory. You say, what do you mean? I mean that simply because we have been made aware of a truth, 
or aware of a principle doesn't mean that we have it in our hearts and minds and memories. That it's stored on our hard drive of our spiritual heart, if you will. Being familiar or being acquainted with something doesn't mean that we know it. For example, someone gives you some information about some topic or something from the Bible. And you say, as a good Christian, yeah, okay, that's, that's helpful. I remember reading about that. I remember coming across that in my own studies. I'm aware of that truth. That's a good thing. And then some weeks go by. And someone asks you to explain the very truth that you said you were aware of. And you really can't tell them about it at all. All you can tell them is, I've heard that. I've heard about that. But you can't tell them about it. Why? Because even though you're aware of it, it isn't in you. It's not in you. You don't possess the truth. You got close to it. You sat in the light of it, but you didn't become in you. It, it didn't become part of you by practice. A lot of us do that when we read Christian books. We have some issue in our life. We go and we ask somebody, hey, can I have some helps on this in my own life? We go, yeah, here, read this. This is very helpful. This person has done a good job explaining this principle from Scripture. We read the book. We read it. We go, oh, man, that was wonderful. That was such a great truth. We put it back on the shelf, and we never apply any of it. We wonder, what's going on? How come I can't get the, this issue under control? Because we're aware of it doesn't mean we know it. We need to put it into practice. There's a massive difference between being aware and remembering something. Notice, even Peter alludes to it here in verse 12, I'll always be ready to remind you of these things even though you already know them and have been established in the truth even though you're aware of it, even though you know it, even though you're established in some sense in it, you still need to be reminded because awareness is not memory. Well, memory fades. That's number one. Number two, awareness is not memory. The third principle. third principle we need to keep in mind is this. In light of the first two, because memory fades and because awareness is not memory, because of those first two, the third principle is we need memory stimulation. We need to be stirred up by way of reminder, which is exactly what Peter says. Verse 13, I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, in other words, as long as I'm walking around on this earth speaking, as long as I'm in this earthly tent is what he's saying, as long as I'm here, I'm going to stir you up by way of reminder. I consider it right to do that. Please don't say to me, Peter's saying, please don't say to me, hey, we've heard that before. We don't need to hear that again. Yes, we do. We need to hear it over and over and over again. Why? Because we have a tendency to forget and we think that simply because we're aware, we know it. 
We need to have it stimulating our minds. It's right to have our memories stirred up, Peter says. What Peter means is that there are certain truths, there are certain principles of Scripture about God and about our salvation that must be actively exercised in our minds every day. One of my seminary professors years ago said to us men who are studying in his class, he said, listen, you need to be preaching the gospel to yourself every day. He wasn't saying that because he was saying, you don't know the gospel, you need to figure it out, and so you need to preach it to yourself because this is what people are going to hear you saying. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, listen, you need to understand, you need to know with all of your being what it means to know Jesus Christ. You need to have that in your heart, in your mind. You need to be preaching that to yourself every day. You should never be forgetting any of that. And Peter's saying that right here. It isn't enough to be familiar with the truth of salvation in Christ. There's a lot of people familiar with what it means or or what salvation in Christ is supposed to be. The details of those truths ought to be before us every day. As Christians, we should not let a day pass in which we are not in some way, reminding ourselves of certain biblical truths. Let me ask you a question this morning. How often in the last six months have you reminded yourself in your own privacy of your own mind that God is sovereign? Have you done that in the last six months? Have you done that in the last week? How about yesterday? You've reminded yourself of some truth that you know that you're aware of, that you're established in, and yet you're reminding yourself of that so that your faith would stand solid. Because it's on the nature and character of God that your faith is upheld. And so you say, God is sovereign. We need to do this about salvation all the time. It's not enough to simply rest in the word salvation. It's not enough to go around and say, well, yeah, I'm fine because God says I have salvation and it's like some fire insurance in my pocket and I just live however I want to live. No, I should be preaching to myself every day the wonder and truth that is brought into my life through God saving me. What God has accomplished on my behalf. We should be telling ourselves and reminding ourselves of what verses 2 through 4 say. That He, by His divine power, has granted to me everything pertaining to life and godliness because He has granted me true knowledge of Him who called me by His own glory and excellence. He has granted to me His precious and magnificent promises in order that by them I might become a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world by lust. That's what God did for me. That's what He did for you if you know Jesus Christ. And because of that, therefore, now I can live that faith, that entrustment in Jesus Christ in these ways. Sin doesn't have to reign in my life. I can have reign over it. And when I'm walking by that faith, trusting Christ in it all, God is taking my life and producing in it this useful fruitfulness because I know the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And someone comes up and says, yeah, how do you know you're saved? You say, I know I'm saved because I know his calling and election is sure in my life because look at how he's changed me. This is what God has done for me. I wouldn't do this if I didn't know Jesus Christ. There's no way I could do this if I, did, if I didn't know Jesus Christ. Your words aren't going to cause me to stumble. It's not going to cause me to go the other direction. Yeah, I may be standing alone. I may be by myself. And you may be threatening my very life because of the stand I take. But that doesn't matter. I know I'm secure in Christ. The word salvation won't do that for somebody. But knowing what salvation means in Christ will. Those truths are solidly grounded in me. It's not a mind game. It's a rehearsing what actually has been done for you and living by that truth. Otherwise, when the false teaching comes along and says that I can lose my salvation because I'm not a perfect person, when the false teaching comes along and says that if I fail at all, God is already there ready to pounce on me with His wrath. When someone comes along and says that there's no way you can be secure in Christ, that the Bible contradicts itself, that the Bible says one thing over here and a whole other thing over here, that Jesus isn't God as they claim. When someone comes along and says that God's love would never allow someone in this world to die as they define it an undeserved death. Or some other truth of Scripture that's called into question. Listen, if I'm not preaching truth to myself, if I'm not rehearsing them in my own heart and mind every day, if in the slightest of ways I forget the wonder and majesty of who God is and that His unchangeable character is what secures me, if just that truth alone of who God is, how God defines Himself, if that alone is faded from its biblical crispness in my own heart and mind, then I'll easily stumble. I'll easily be swept away by other winds of false doctrine. Anything that calls into question what I know to be true. I certainly won't be standing as Peter has exhorted in verse 10. There won't be any assurance in me that God has called me and chose me. There certainly won't be any room where in which I don't stumble. I'll do things and I'll fear things that I should never do and never fear. I'll be the exact opposite of what Paul told the believers in Colossae in chapter 2. I will follow all the philosophies of men that I shouldn't, and my faith in which I should be standing will be undermined and weak if it's real at all. The late Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way, we must forcibly remind ourselves daily of certain principles. Otherwise, they will merely remain vaguely in the realm of our memory and they will not be actively operating in our daily life. Unquote. This is exactly what Peter's saying here. So we have to remember, beloved, that memory fades. 
We have to exercise this stimulation of our memory because memory fades, because the awareness of something is, doesn't mean that I know it in my own mind, in my own heart. And therefore, I must be stimulated in my own mind every day. That leads us then to this final fourth principle implication from this text. Number four is this, the primary purpose of the church. The primary purpose of the church and the primary purpose for our interaction with each other as Christians is to proclaim the truth of God in both word and deed. That's the primary purpose. So that together, we will be stimulated to remember. Right? This is exactly why Peter says what he says in verse 13 to 15. Right? I consider it right, as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing, I know this, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. In other words, I'm not going to be around long, and so I need to use all my time now to do exactly what God considers to be best for all of us. I'm going to stir up your reminder so that when I am gone, which is imminent, it's coming right around the corner, you're going to be able to remember. That's our task. That's our purpose. We're not here for a long time. Sometimes we find it a bit irritating for someone to come to us and continually remind us of things we might know. Sometimes you say, why do you keep telling me that? I know that. But listen, as Christians, we would do well as Christians in the practice of our Christian life to simply thank God for that irritation in our life. Just go before the Lord and thank Him that that person continues to stir you up by way of reminder. This is exactly, listen, this is exactly in nature why the clam ingests the sand. It's an irritation. And through that irritation, a pearl is produced. That's what happens. That's the intended meaning of Hebrews 10.24. One of the reasons the writer of Hebrews says for us not to forsake the assembling together. This is one of the implications of that. Why? Because one of the reasons for gathering is so that we might, Hebrews 10.24, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Peter says, I, listen, it's right for me to stir you up this way. I want to stir you up this way. This is good for you to be stirred up this way. And then the writer of Hebrews comes along and says, listen, you've got to be together. You've got to be with one another because this is how you're stirred up. You need to consider how to stir up one another. In fact, you need to be thinking when you are preparing to get together, okay, how can, Lord, how can you use me today to be a stir in the life of somebody? To some of us, that comes more naturally than others. Some of us have the gift of irritating. Others of of us have to kind of build that up. Either way, we're to stir one another up. So listen, there's a certain kind of spiritual irritation that we all need. Because God uses it. 
God uses it to strengthen our faith. He uses it to develop that pearl in you, that that faith that's strong. God uses it in our lives to stir us up by way of reminder like Peter is doing. Listen, that's the primary business of preaching the Word of God on the Lord's Day. The primary business of, of a preacher is to stir up us. To take us to the Word of God, remind us of what God said, and stir us up by way of reminder. Some of you have come up after a service and said, I didn't like what you said. Sometimes my response is, was it what I said or what God said? And if God said it and you're stirred up, then good. I'm thankful. If it was a personal irritation that I did, I'm sorry, please forgive me. But if it was God stirring you up, then I'm glad. I'm glad. And if you're a little bloody by it, by God's design in your own heart, then I'm even more glad. Because God uses it to strengthen your faith. It's meant to in, it's not meant to come to the worship and indulge our fleshly lust. That's not what the church is for. It's intended to stir up our minds, our hearts. It's not about our likes and our dislikes. No. The church is to present the central glorious truth of what it means to know Christ and to live for Christ. That's it. That's our job. That's our task. I hope you don't come here because this is a social hangout for you and you just want to see your friends and this is a great place to see your friends. It is that, but that's not the primary purpose of this place. This place is a gathering of people in order that we might be stirred up by God, that our faith might be strong, that those truths that we hear would occupy our minds that it would squeeze out by being stirred up in those truths. It would squeeze out all of the interests and situations of this world. That you wouldn't rely on those things. That the things of this world would fade if you are to remember anything in this life. If we as Christians should remember anything, it is the truth of the Scriptures that we must remember. That's what we must remember. The Scriptures. What does God say? No matter what is happening outside in the world, it doesn't mean that we have a bad life here. There's nothing more glorious than being part of the family of God. Knowing that no matter what He allows here, no matter what He circumstantially has allowed for our good and His glory, that we are the most blessed people of all. Do you believe that? Sometimes I find myself during the week forgetting that. Forgetting that. One day I'm going to meet the great king. One day that I'm going to stand in the presence of Christ. All that's happening reminds us the temporal life here will not last forever. I hope you're glad of that. I hope you're thankful that this life will not last forever. That we are only here in this temporal tent, as Peter says, I know that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. There's coming a day when each one of our days will be the imminent day. 
the day in which we will meet Christ. And therefore, because of that, we must, like Peter, remember what life's all about. About Christ, remembering Christ, stirring up others to remember Christ. We're here for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to live our lives so that God is glorified by us and through us. That's it. Every action, therefore, in our life counts. Every action. Every moment is a significant moment. Nothing is less important. It's a significant moment. It's all precious to God, and God has given it to us as stewards. We know sin has marred this place. But we can remember our great salvation. And we can give glory to God, steadfast in our faith, trusting Him. And the ultimate thing that the Bible reminds us of is the greatest thing anyone could know. Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. I trust we would never forget His sacrifice. I trust we would never forget His rising again. That it would not fade in our hearts and our minds, for it's in Him and in Him alone that we live and breathe and have our being. It's in Him that we live now. It's in Him that we live forever. Beloved, let us never forget. Let us never forget. You say, on what authority do you say all that? What authority should I continue to walk according to this? Well, you're going to have to come back next time. Because Peter tells us exactly on what authority we have for that. And we'll look at that beginning in verse 16. Let's pray together. Lord, what a wonderful truth about you. What a great time we've had this morning just understanding the gift of remembrance and how even you show yourself faithful to never forget, never forget your promises to us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So Lord, this morning, in light of that truth, in light of what you have accomplished for us, we ask that you would stimulate us through the help of your own people to remember all that you have done for us so that we would not lose heart. Strengthen our faith so that we might stand strong for your glory. In our Savior's name we pray. Jesus Christ, the Lord of all. Amen.